Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered ChampaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, 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 everyone. This is Rob Wolf, and welcome to episode number 32 of Unformidable, where we take a look back at some of the less heralded Mets in our beloved franchise's quirky history, as every player who dons the orange and blue is, in their own way, unformidable. I don't have a ton of setup today. The Mets have been, had been eerily quiet this offseason, signed a couple of middling starters at finally just added someone to their porous bullpen. But, uh, you know, I like to try to match a player with something going on in the current day, wherever possible, but this didn't really have much. Uh, I I did recently celebrate a birthday. I, I turned 12 shortly after the team's last world championship, and I thought many, many more were to come with that team. And now, 30 plus years later, I'm starting to inch uncomfortably close to that just one more in my lifetime please territory uh, without much light at the end of the, of the tunnel. Actually, I remember when the Mets traded R.A. Dickey in the offseason, my friend Steve, who's older than I am, was really upset. And I was like, oh no, it's a great move. Not, not that I didn't love R.A. Dickey, but yeah, it's like, this team's got to rebuild. That's how we'll get good again. And Steve was just like, I just, I just want to see them win one more time before I die, Robert. And I laughed, not at, not at Steve. I mean, but 
like, oh, that's a silly thought, but that thought's really starting to creep into my head. At any rate, uh, it's my birthday, it's the holidays, and apropos of nothing, free agents, anniversaries, dates in Mets history, I'm just going to pick one of my personal favorite random Mets of all time. It was a dark period of Mets fandom in the mid-90s, uh, but for a moment there was a very brief shining light, perhaps because he had a sweet swing, seemed to have a slick glove, and played the same position as the favorite of my youth, one Keith Hernandez, or perhaps simply because he was young and handsome and had a cool name, but boy did I and my friends really latch on to Rico Bronia. Rico Joseph Bronia was born April 18th, 1970, in Massachusetts, but he grew up primarily in Connecticut, where he attended Watertown High School. Bronia was a true <clears throat> star athlete in high school. He played baseball, basketball, and football, and in fact was an all-state quarterback, winning a high school state championship in 1986, so uh, matching the Mets with the 1986 championship. In fact, it was such a good football player, Bronia initially signed a letter of intent to play a quarterback at Clemson University when he was in high school. Um, so that was 86. I don't really follow college sports a ton because, you know, I grew up in a state with real professional athletics and don't really care about that. But, you know, I don't think that Clemson in 86 was Clemson that they are today as a perennial national title contender, but that was, you know, obviously still, I think, a big school and a mark of, I assume, what a good football player Bronia must have been. But he was a true Northeast boy, and he preferred baseball and chose to pursue a career in baseball when he was drafted by the Detroit Tigers in the first round of the 1988 June Amateur Draft. He was the 26th overall pick. Bronia had a great year in AA in 1990, and I guess combined with that prospect pedigree of being a first-round draft pick, he, prior to the 1991 season, he was the number 35 prospect overall in baseball per Baseball America. And I've said before, you know, in my memory growing up, yeah, there wasn't this wall-to-wall -wall prospect coverage that there is today, or prospect hugging or hoarding, but, you know, that's still pretty good. Uh, he unfortunately seemed to plateau. Uh, he struggled greatly in AAA in 1991 and even got demoted back to AA from AAA. And he actually was not having a great season in 1992 back in AAA Toledo again. He did manage to make his MLB debut that year, getting called up briefly in August to Detroit when, I think, because of injury, so he made his Major League debut on August 8th, 1992, and he got a hit in his very first Major League at bat, blooping a double down the left field line off of Dave Steeb in a game which was started for the Detroit Tigers by the equally unformidable Walt Terrell. Over that two-week span that he came up in August, Bronia went 5-for-26 as a Detroit Tiger. He hit his first career Major League home run against the New York Yankees off of Melito Perez, who was unforgettable in his own right. Uh, he and his brother Pasquale. If only one of them spent a day with the Mets, uh, that would be one hell of an unformidable. 
But at any rate, uh, he had that first career home run August 11th off of Lito Perez, but was sent back down on August 20th and continued to struggle in AAA. He presumably fell out of favor with the Tigers organization. It seemed like maybe a squandering of a first-round pick or one that would not quite come to fruition. So before the start of the 1994 season, Bronia came to the Mets in a trade, basically a swap of disappointing late first-round draft picks. The Mets sent Alan Zinter, a first baseman who they tabbed in the first round in 1989, to Detroit in exchange for the lefty first baseman Rico Bronia. Definitely, as I recall, a very under-the-radar transaction, not, you know, not moving the dial at all. I don't have any recollection of the trade taking place or having any expectations that we had acquired a former first round pick and that he might make any impact on the major league club whatsoever. Perhaps that's because there wasn't a ton to be excited about as a Mets fan or as a baseball fan in 1994. Well, I, I take that back. There was there was a lot of baseball to be excited about. There was Matt Williams and Ken Griffey Jr. looking like they might make a run at Roger Maris. Tony Gwynn looking like he could make a run at hitting 400. But with the specter of a strike looming, it was hard to get too enthusiastic about everything going on. And of course, the Mets were coming off complete bottoming out of their dynasty that almost was in the, and in the early 90s, coming off some atrocious years in 92 and 93. And the uh, ever-frustrating, in my opinion, Dallas Green at the helm. So heading into 94, at least, I was not too excited about the Mets, to say the least. But they actually had a decent season that year. It started to reignite the embers of, of fandom. Uh, the 94 Mets started the season with the veteran presence of David Segui at first base. But when the steady, if unspectacular, Sagi went down with an injury in late June, Bronia was the natural replacement to come up in AAA. Uh, as the previous couple of seasons where he struggled in the Tiger organization, he was having a pretty unremarkable season at AAA. But Bronia hit the ground running with, with Sagi on the DL for two, three weeks. He, I should say, he didn't hit the ground running, he hit the ground hitting. And he didn't stop. The only thing that stopped him hit him was that aforementioned player strike as Bronya essentially Wally pipped Sagi, or well, at least pushed him to the outfield. I don't know if Wally Pip found another position or just never got to play again. I've I've never really known that. I just throw it around as a verb uh, memo to myself to look into that. At any rate, Bronya made his Met debut on June 22nd of 1994. Uh, at Atlanta against the Braves. He did go 0 for 3 with a walk in that game and actually didn't collect a hit until four games later, June 26th at home against the Pirates, going 2 for 4. And that was just an augured things to come. In his 6th to 8th games as a Met, uh, Bronya homered uh, three consecutive games, one homer in each game. A week later in LA, he'd go He'd go two for three with a home run in two consecutive games against the Dodgers um, a couple of weeks later on July 9th and 10th. Uh, that second game against the Dodgers pushed his OPS for the season 
over a thousand to 1.039, and it would remain there for the rest of the 1994 season. From that series in LA through to close to the last game of the regular season, Bronya would hit in 23 consecutive starts, a true hitting streak only interrupted by a pair of unsuccessful pinch-hitting appearances in mid-July. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. My absolute fondest memory, Rico memory of that season, is attending a game in early August against the mighty Atlanta Braves. An annoying number of Braves fans in attendance has started to happen in the mid-90s as we were recovering and the Braves were in their nascent dynasty. Also a dynasty that never quite was, kind of. Uh, but I remember a couple of Braves fans uh, mocking my friend and I for our adoration of Rico and our Rico chants and, you know, that he wouldn't even get to get on the field with the mighty Braves. And uh, Bronya would proceed to go three for four that night, uh, August 2nd. I had to look in my extensive ticket stub collection. Uh, he went three for four, including a tie-breaking two-run homer in the bottom of the eighth giving the Mets a, leading the Mets to a 4-1 victory and sending me into a delight truly unfounded and unwarranted for a team that had just raised its record to 53 and 54 and would only be playing about another 8 to 10 games before a strike would cancel the rest of the season. But not only was it a fun in-game experience, but... After that, by the time that game was over, at Bernia had raised his batting average to 387. At that point in time, his OPS was 1.126, and that's over his first 111 Met plate appearances. Now, I knew nothing in 1994 of small sample sizes and reverting to the mean. I just knew, screw Tony Gwynn, we had a potential 400 hitter of our own. And Bronya certainly did look the part, uh, you know, from what I remember, you know, probably, probably in hindsight, a good example of, you know, that fallacy of, you know, he just, his swing looked good. He, he was described as having a great glove, although when I researched this podcast, the statistics don't really back up that idea of him being a defensive whiz. But, you know, first round draft pick, high school quarterback, just like, seemed like he looked like an athlete. And I think... The Mets, and what I remember, their announcers, and certainly uh, idealistic young fans thought we had really discovered an uncovered gem. Perhaps Bronya was starting to come back down to earth, but as mentioned, 
uh, the the stats hit that peak in that August second game that I just mentioned, but. In fact, he only appeared in seven more games as the season ended. The Mets played their final game of the strike-shortened season, August 11th. So Bronya finished the season, the 94 season, with a 351 average, 380 on-base percentage, and 626 slugging percentage for just over 1,000, 1.006 OPS. So, so it was a frustrating, heartbreaking end to a baseball season for any baseball fan, you know, one that didn't see a World Series played. But if there was a light for me as a Met fan, it was that I thought we had found our first baseman of the future. And frankly, the 95 season didn't totally uh, dissuade you from that. The Brony actually had a really good year for the Mets in 1995. He hit 22 homers, 76 RBIs, hit 289, uh, put up an 827 OPS. Uh, again, you know, it was before I think people had fully, fully appreciated the on-base percentage revolution. And, you know, you could see where maybe the flaws in his game were with the uh, 39 walks versus 111 strikeouts that year. Uh, but he still put up, uh, well, not an over 1,000 OPS. He still put up an 827. His OPS plus that year was 119. So, he was a, an above-average hitter for the Mets in 1995, and at the age of 25, it really seemed like a, you know, a, still a, perhaps a key piece. He also did lead the league in fielding percentage in '95. Uh, again, he, you know, he he caught what he got to, but I guess the range. He, he was actually pretty much an average fielder in his time with the Mets, but quickly bottomed out, uh, as we'll discuss in his time after the Mets. Bronia had a very rough 1996, struggling with injuries all through the season, and eventually needed arthroscopic surgery on his right shoulder in June of 96, which uh, short-circuited the difficult season and ultimately wound up ending his Mets career as the team would trade him to the Philadelphia Phillies in the offseason and the nascent Rico mania that briefly enveloped Shea in 1994 uh, would go along with it, sadly. Although I know it actually wouldn't be all that sad for the Mets. Uh, the return for Bronia wasn't much, but the Mets would replace him at first base with the incredible, underrated, underappreciated, delightful, wonderful John Olerud. Keep him around in 2000. Maybe we have a World Series ring, John Olerud. Oh, I loved him. But... Anyway, I digress. Bronya did go on to have three decent offensive years as the primary Philly first baseman. He hit over 20 home runs in 97, 98, and 99, 20 exactly two of those seasons, and did get over 100 RBIs, 104 in 98, and 102 in 99. So great counting stats, although, yeah, that was a great offensive era, those late 90s. And Bronya did finish with an OPS under 800 each year and actually was under league average offensively each season, just barely. He was basically a league average hitter at first whose range had declined and actually wound up being a negative war, negative war player for the Philly, his tenure with the Phillies. Bronya tried to hang around for a couple of years and had brief playing time in 2000 after the Phillies released him with the Red Sox and 2001 with the Braves before retiring after the 2001 season.
Bronya was actually a negative war player for his career. He is as war, according to baseball reference, is negative 1.1. He had nearly 3,000 major league at bats, 2,958, had 106 homers, hit 269, drove in 458 runs. His uh, on base percentage was 320, slugging a 445, an OPS of 764 an OPS plus of 96. Uh, basically league average offensive numbers and given the first base position, not ideal. However, he was more, maybe not ideal, but he was certainly more than that for the Mets where Bronya had the best period of his career. As a Met over parts of three seasons, Bronia recorded a B-War of 3.4, including that impressive uh, 1995 season where he was good for 2.3 war over the full season, and he was good for 1.2 over just uh, 39 games in that incredible stretch that he had for the Mets in 1994 when he first came up. He had 36 homers and 126 RBIs as a Met and hit 291. 837 on base percentage and uh, pardon me 837 OPS and a 121 OPS plus. Bronius suffered through his share of medical issues both during his career and after. Uh, of course in addition to the normal wear and tear and physical stress of playing baseball, Bronia had a was diagnosed with a form of spinal arthritis during his career. Uh, it's something I had to take medication for on a daily basis. And in fact, there were rumors, I think, when the Mets traded him that uh, part of the reason was their concern about that. And in fact, uh, Bronia is a national spokesperson for the Spondylitis Association of America, the form of uh, spinal arthritis that he suffers from. He also, since his career, uh, suffered from testicular cancer, which, again, he's also bounced back from. Happy to report at a surgery for that in the in 2015. When healthy, Rico has not been far from the sports world, though. He has coached or managed in high school and college both baseball and football, and he was also in the Diamondbacks organization as a manager, in the Angels organization as an assistant to the general manager, and he's also been in the Phillies organization as a coach, and which I think is his most recent posting. Rico Bronia, currently 49 years old, as far as I know, hale and hearty and healthy, and thanks in particular to arriving like a comet in the Mets Major League team in 1994, and, some, and a fine 1995 season as well. Rico Bronia is, of course unformidable. Thanks for taking the time to listen to Unformidable. I'd like to wish you all happy holidays, whichever one or ones you may or may not celebrate with all of your loved ones. A great, amazing new year. Hopefully we all have a wonderful 2020, especially the New York Metropolitans. Please go to AmazonAvenue.com for more Mets-related content. You can follow Amazon Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can find this and all of our Amazon pods wherever you get your podcasts. Original music by Bunga. I'm on Twitter at WolfRR, and the show is at Unformidable. 
thank you, and let's go Mets.